He's right in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And a hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. You're very welcome along to Off the Brawl on Off the Ball. I'm Ronan Mullen, joined as ever by Phil Egan and one of our favourite guests here on the show, Jason Quigley. Jason, how are you? All good, lads. Thanks for having me once again. How's the jet lag post California? It's good starting out in the morning times and then you're up and you're at it. I was in the gym yesterday morning, I done yoga this morning. I was like, geez, I'm feeling great. And then an hour or two later, you're like, oh, geez, get me to my bed. <laughs> you know it, But I'm well used to it. Um, well used to the time difference. Whenever I go to LA, I'm fine because I know I have my fight and I know I have focus. I know I have to get up at this time, go to bed at this time, get everything together. But when I come home and especially now with Christmas and all coming on, coming up, I'm switched off, kind of mode, I'm relaxed and I'm just kind of lying about a wee bit more. Mm. And it's great to see you back in action. Um, I know Phil watched your fight in a very unusual place, your previous fight on the... Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was on my way to the airport for the the last fight and it was on at five in the morning but seeing as I get up so early these days by the time you fought, you fought last week you know I was nearly up at that stage so. yeah <laughs> did you get to watch it in more normal circumstances no I, I watched it I, I got to watch it back got to watch it back so um, you must have been just delighted to get back yeah well that was that was what was going through my head like do you know what I mean I just wanted to get in there I wanted to get that victory I didn't care how I got it what way it came as long as I just got in there got the victory moved into Christmas with a one back on my record and moving into 2020 then again with uh, chasing that world title yeah fight. just means you can enjoy Christmas exactly you, don't, you know you, yeah. you don't have if you didn't have a fight before Christmas you wouldn't have any not even doubts, but just that kind of anxiety waiting around now. Yeah, because like, with my fight in July, like, it was only four or five months turnaround, which it seemed like that fight was longer ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So for me to have gotten that fight now under my belt before Christmas and just getting that victory, getting me and Andy together as well in a fight and a training camp, everything like that, going through the process of everything and then moving into 2020. It's like start of a year where everybody tries to start fresh again. So it was nice to kind of get that result, get that relationship built up, get that familiarity with each other and now push into 2020 with uh, excitement, mm. really, you know what I mean? And I remember off the back of the Johnson fight, this very interesting interview you and Andy did, you were on Skype, but he was in here and you could almost feel the relationship building over the line and I was in Japan and Andy texted me to say that it was official that you were linking up. So it was a little bit uh, behind the scenes, but what was it that ultimately made you decide this is the right link up for me? Well, if people look at Andy's career, um, 
up until his defeat was Brian Vera, me and him was nearly identical. And he's been through it all. He's come out the far end of it. And he's went on to win a world title. And me and Andy have always kept in touch as well. Like, turning professional, even when I was a pro. Just different wee things, different wee scenarios would have come up. I would have been in touch with Andy. And then, obviously, more recently, we did... We presented one of the pro shows in the stadium on TG Cahar as well. And, you know, everything just started to kind of come together without us even noticing it. And then once Andy started training Paddy and he kind of put himself out there as a coach then, do you know what I mean? And that was something that planted a seed in my head that I didn't really know either. And we met up one time then, not too long after my fight, because Andy had texted me after my fight, you know, he sent me a lovely message and he's been in that position. He told me what it felt like and I could I could feel exactly what he was saying. And um, after that then we got in touch, had breakfast one day and he says, what's the story, what do you think? Um, do a bit of training together and ah, sure, we'll go into the gym and if you like it, well and good. If you don't, well and good. If I like it, yeah, if I don't. We just really, there was no real commitment. There was no real nothing. It was like, yeah, we'll go to the gym together, see how we get on, see if you like it or I like it, see if the both of us can, can gel in that sense. And here we are now. We have our first fight under our belt and we're excited, looking forward to 2020. Yeah. And the technical side of the training is interesting, but the emotional side of that you touched on there, like that empathy that he has naturally from going through the same stuff that you went through, and there's no shame in, in losing a fight. The best fighters of all time have lost a fight, but it's more, it was more a psychological thing as well, that defeat for you than anything, and he was always someone who could relate. So that's important too. Yeah, like, and that's what I said. Like, it wasn't... I'm 28 years of age now. I have... 18 fights as a professional, over 250 fights as an amateur, you're not going to change me dramatically. You're not going to turn me into a Mike Tyson or you're not going to turn me into a Lomachenko. I am my own style and I have my own style. It's about tweaking those little things now. It's about perfecting little things, adding simple bits and pieces to your technique, um, your style, everything like that. And that's only one part of it. Then you have the whole part of getting over a defeat. Um, you have the whole part of dealing with that, going into your next fight, having Andy there, somebody that has been through that exact emotion, that exact feeling, and just having that presence around you, knowing that, well, at least he knows what I'm going through here. Do you know what I mean? And he knows that I know as well and he's able to create that kind of environment as well that's that's I don't like to say comfortable but that's makes you feel better and that's that's something that not every boxer and a coach will have together like and that's why that everything's been going great so far like I've as I says before and in, in previous interviews like me and Andy every time I get into the gym I'm excited because I know we're working on things. We're 
we're perfecting things, we're we're pushing ourselves to higher limits, to to better ourselves. And I'm saying ourselves is because Andy's new to the coaching side of it as well and he's learning every training session along with me. And it's just it's a it's a, it's a great team up like and the happiness that I have in the gym now is what's key for me. Mm. And in terms of the tweaks, I don't want you to give away any yeah, trade yeah, yeah. secrets, but is there any specific things you've been working it's, on? It's simple things like you think after all the years of boxing, I know how to throw a right hand, I know how to throw a jab, I know how to slip and roll. But there's certain little techniques of when you throw that right hand to maybe kind of follow through a little bit. Whenever you throw that right hand, you're following through and coming out. It's it's the defense as well as an attack and different movements with my feet. You know, on the amateur setup, we were very like left hand, left foot, right hand, right foot. It was like it was like a dance kind of thing, you know, and your left hand would be working in sync with your left foot, your right hand would be working in sync with your right foot, whereas different things now, we're using both our feet with one shot and just small little tweaks like that there and it's, as I says, it's exciting because it's learning whenever I'm getting in, into the ring and that's only getting into the ring to do the pads and then when I'm on the bags, you know, working on those little things and then the key part then is getting in sparring and doing it and everything was coming together lovely, everything was coming together nicely and sparring, I was starting to do everything, everything was going well and then in the fight, I didn't tee off everything as well as I had wanted to. And that kind of frustrated me a wee bit and annoyed me because, as I said, yesterday morning I was in hitting the bags and I was back doing exactly what mm. me and Andy have been working on. I was like, oh, I need to get doing this now when I'm in the fight. And that's the process, that's the learning because in in, in life we all get these bad habits and say the bad habits I've been doing. I I might be doing this bad habit since I was 11 years of age, since I started boxing. So I have 11 years of age till 28 years of age. Me and Andy have been working together for two or three months. Mm. So 17 years of a bad habit, it's hard to eliminate that inside two or three months. It takes time and it's, and it's a process. And that's what I have to understand. Instead of being so critical of myself, understand that I don't have it perfected yet, but I will have it perfected. It's just going to be a matter of time. And that's where I have to... Um, that's why I'm excited to get back into the gym right away and get back and work on things because I know that there's stuff to work on, there's stuff to perfect there, and it's, it's exciting because I know where I can get to then. And Phil, it's exciting for the Irish boxing community as well because it seems like such a an exciting link-up. Yeah, and just a few things to touch on. The change of trainer, something obviously Andy went through as well, and mm. he talked about it when he went to Adam Booth, that, you know, different style, and there was a few fights where it, he just wasn't able to execute it the way he wanted to. So I'm sure he can relate to mm. what you're saying there. Much Has there been much change in other things? You mentioned yoga. Is that something you've yeah, done no, for a long time? Yeah, that's something that I've been, I've been doing. Obviously, I've said before, I'm, I'm living with uh, Miriam and Jerry Hussey now up yeah. here in Dublin. And, you know, Miriam does yoga classes and everything like that there. And it's been something that, that I have been trying to put into my schedule, even yeah. when I'm not fighting. Like, and, yeah. and it's difficult for a boxer like, yeah. to do. Like, it's like, 
like stretch it out and breathe into it and all this here where there's a box like come on let's go here like you know yeah. it's hard and but it's it's one of those things that you try to um it's it's about slowing the mind down and relaxing the mind whenever you are in those hectic kind of situations yeah. so that's just something that I've, I've kind of put in place in a way in general life as well yeah and then in terms of technical tweaks with andy is there more to come or is it a case of the ones that you've worked on it's just trying to perfect them yeah like of course there'll probably be more to come yeah. do you know what i mean um it's about getting there's stages like there's yeah. going to be stages and i'm sure andy has a plan and a process in his head of where he wants to get me to um, right now he has laid down a few fundamentals that he wants me to get right and put into play and that's what I'm doing now and yeah. that's what I'm, I'm trying my best to perfect right now and get it spot on and I have been getting it, it's been starting to come together and sparring is starting to come together in the gym, it's a matter of now getting it right on fight night. And what about the reaction from fellow fighters or when you went to California that people in the industry that would have seen you and here you are making your debut under Andy. What's the reaction been? Are they like in fairness, everyone loves Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they must be excited for you as well. Yeah, like Andy's very well respected. Like even if he wasn't an, a nice fella as well, you know, just by being a former world middleweight champion and doing it in the style that he's done it as well, like yeah. it's it was special. So. And he was very, very well respected, and he got a good mention as well at the at the weigh-ins and everything. You know, they called him out whenever he was up on the stage for me getting on the scales and everything. So it was, uh, it's good, and and it's nice to have that kind of a presence and that kind of a, a strong team around you. That you know, whenever you walk in, people are are taking notice that these boys mean business yeah, like because yeah. it was actually Turiano Johnson I think actually commented on one of my one of my videos of me and Andy doing the pads saying this looks like a great team up I better up my game <laughs> or something like this and I was so tempted to write back and say something but I didn't want to get mentally involved with that yet because I have a process that, that I want to get through first yeah, yeah. and if Turiano comes along again That'd be amazing, like you know what I mean. But we're 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 we have a we have a plan in place now, and uh, if he comes along, he comes along. Change of image as well, the the, the new boxing trunks. Yeah, um, you're one of few that that did really notice that, and uh, yeah, there's there's been there's been a change. Like Andy's been talking to me and planting little seeds in my head, and um, I've been taking them on board and. You know what I mean? The black and red is uh, it's something that... <laughs> <laughs> what do they think of Donny Golf? <laughs> I'm not wearing the big uh, yellow and green shorts no more. Um, but yeah, it was something that Emmanuel did with uh, with Andy. You know, um, Emmanuel always had like bright colours mm -hmm. and everything like that because I think the Warriors back in the day wore the bright colours to give them energy, give them vibrations to give them whatever like that there that's what Emmanuel's take on it was yeah and uh, me and me and Andy then have our take on the black and the black and red as well and it's a uh, so that's just a little trigger that switches something on in our heads and my head especially and yeah I've had to come with a different uh, a different mindset to the fight come with a different mindset to not even the fight to my career 
Do you know what I mean? Because I'm at that stage now that Andy has said that 28 years of age, like, I live a good, clean life. Um, I can see myself going to 35, no problem. Do I want to still be boxing when I'm 35? It all depends. Um, I'm looking to set goals and achieve the goals that I've set by around 32 years of age. And if I have everything done, achieved, belts, money, I'd be happily to say and call it a day. I think there's probably a lot of boxers out there that say this as well, but whenever it comes to it, they mightn't be able to. But, you know, that's kind of a, a plan and a goal that I have in my head. Um, but it's... Uh, I say as well, it's still be time to make that debut for Donegal. I'm telling you, 100%. That's... That that's why I've said it at thirty two, not thirty three, thirty four. So maybe I could I could uh, get that cap for Donegal. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason, just to uh, just one last point on the fight just gone. Like one notable thing, and it did the rounds on Twitter. Like the conviction that you were you went into that fight to close the show. And Andy, like quite notably, has been frank, like in your presence, saying you know Jason's a really nice guy, but when he gets into the ring, he needs to be you know more. A bit more conviction, probably. Did that strike a chord with you when he was saying that stuff to you, or could you see where he was coming from? Yeah, I, I, um, I could see exactly where he was coming from. Um, I remember I had a fight in London, and I stopped the guy as well in the second round or whatever. And I remember in that fight, only looking back now recently, because this question has come up to me as well before, um, I didn't have the same... Celebration, kind of, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have the same whenever I won, I was, mm. you know, like it was like, oh, well, I'm good, you got yeah. the one or whatever. Whereas this time, I, I don't know, is it the whole sense of me getting that conviction, that ruthlessness, that viciousness into me, or was it the fact that there was so much on the line in that fight as well that mm. I'm just coming off a loss, getting that? I think it was a mixture of everything. But in that fight, like, as soon as I seen him wobble, as soon as, like, I hit him in the second round and he wobbled a little bit, but his eyes were still all good. Like, his eyes were still, he was still looking at me, he was still there, he was still ready to fight. Whereas in the third round when I caught him, he did the dance and his eyes did the dance too. He was like, what happened there? Like, you could see the, the kind of shock, like, he wasn't sure what was going on. And as soon as I seen that, I was just like, i got to take this boy out of here. And looking back, I do be critical on myself. And looking back, I would have liked to have been, been a, a little bit calmer in that situation. A little bit more, I could have done it in better style, a little bit slicker, a little bit tidier. And that's just me looking back now on it. But the whole emotion, the whole way the fight was going, the whole way that coming back after a loss, I wanted to impress and I got a little bit over-eager and I was still able to get the victory and get it in a bit of style. Like, but just me being me and wanting it to be perfect, I know there's, there's still stuff there to work on. Yeah, and not to get too philosophical about it, but it's probably not an exaggeration to say you were fighting yourself as much as you were fighting your opponent. Like, it was more proving a point to you than to anybody else. When yeah, it came down to it. because, like, as I said in an interview recently, like, 
in the change rooms and, and walking to the ring, like, I was like, right, let's put everything behind you now. Let's put this defeat behind you. Let's walk out of this ring a winner. Like, let's get the hands raised now. Whatever way you do it, let's come out of here a winner this time. And it was something that was very new to me because obviously it was my first defeat as a professional and it was the first time I walked to the ring as a professional with that thought in my head. And yeah, like I had to I had to fight against myself a little bit in the changing rooms and say, Hey, shut up Jason, let's let's focus on this fight now and did everything correct, made the weight correct, trained hard, rested perfect, did everything spot on and I had to just get that bit of belief back in myself and the belief from the preparation that I had done and uh, just get in there and take care of business. Yeah, and we're just about into 2020 now. What's the next likely date or what do you think? The next likely date now, I had, uh, had a good talk with Golden Boy after the fight. Um, my management team as well and Andy and they're looking to get me back out now early in February again and um, get a good victory in February and then hopefully a good step up fight and possibly a world title after that. And have you any preference in terms of location? Are you happy on the West Coast or would you like some stuff? I know you had a great night in Boston when you fought there. So. Yeah, like of course I would love East Coast, Ireland, everything like that but depending on the magnitude of the fight like I've been away now for 18 fights. Mm. When I come back to Ireland with a fight or come to New York or Boston with a fight, I want it to be a big one. Finn Park? Yeah, <laughs> Finn Park or McCool Park, one or the other. Um, I want it to be a big one, you know what I mean? I want it to be something special. Like I want it to be a world title fight, world title eliminator. I want it to be a world title defence. I want it to be something massive. Like. Yeah, and someone else... Uh, building their base over in California. Aaron McKenna was yeah, matching yeah. the weekend. Did you get to see that fight or were you um, No, busy? I was... Doing your own thing? Yeah, he was the fight before my fight, so I was in getting ready. And uh, it, was, it was good because it was nice to have... He had a few Irish songs on his uh, <laughs> speaker and everything, and it was nice to have that kind of an atmosphere in, in the changing rooms. And uh, it was nice just being on the card with another Irish fighter and he signed to my management team and everything as well and I've known the McKenna's for a long time now. Um, we got the contact between me, McKenna's and, and Shear Sports and everything all came about together and you know it was it was great having them in there and Aaron's now 10 and 0. Stevie as well, he's over there, he'll be fighting in the new year again as well. So they're uh, they're two good lads and um, I really hope now that they can keep pushing on and keep doing well because they work very, very hard. Like they're, they're really two dedicated lads and I know how difficult it is living in LA. They were actually on the same flight home as me and they were saying that they get home about two times a year. You know, that can be difficult like. Um, so I wish them all the very best now and hope they can do it because they have all the, they have all the attributes to do it. Yeah, they're a fantastic story and it's certainly something to keep an eye on in 2020. Uh, we moved from California to Saudi Arabia now and <laughs> a show we discussed at length last week and uh, we kind of landed on this outcome amongst 15 other potential outcomes that it would go to points and Joshua would do enough and that's how it played out. For yeah, well he did more than enough in fairness. You know, it was almost a shutout and... I was just thinking back to last week, in fairness, Niall Kennedy deserves the, the credit for that because 
he did say that Joshua would stop late or he'd win on points. And he also said, don't be surprised if it's... He said a boar fest. Now, some people would have seen it as a boar fest because there wasn't the same drama that there was in the June fight in New York. But it was still a clinical display from Anthony Joshua. Mm. One that he had to do. And if he went in and made the same mistakes against Ruiz, he'd be absolutely slaughtered. So he went, he changed his game plan, got lighter, moved around, barely got hit, won comfortably. So, you know, it's hard to criticise him for that. Some people are critical because he didn't get the stoppage. There was times where he buzzed him and he thought he could go in, but that's what happened in New York. He went in for the kill and he got caught. So he was very disciplined and now he's a two-time heavyweight champion. The only thing watching it, though, I thought if he was boxing like that against Tyson Fury, Fury would outbox him. And Ruiz landed the odd punch to give him a bit of a scare. If that's Wilder, you know... Punches don't give you a scare a while they're, they put you on the ground. Mm. It just shows you have to stick with your convictions when you're picking fights as well, Jason, because <laughs> Eric Donovan tried to talk me out of Joshua on points and he, he almost had me, but what did you think of the fight as it well, turned out? Well, Kennedy getting a fight prediction right. <laughs> he needs to go and do the lotto, that man, because me and him have been through them all together and he's the worst judge of a fight I've ever seen. <laughs> so how he got that one, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it, it was... <sighs> to be honest, I'm kind of happy that it's over because Ruiz... As Ruiz, he's, he doesn't look good for the sport. You know, the way he comes in so much overweight and the way that he came in even heavier this time and him, the king of boxing, like heavyweight champion of the world, yeah. it's just not a good look for boxing. And I think a lot of people, whenever Ruiz won the first fight, everyone was so happy because they were like, oh, well, he obviously doesn't write, so he doesn't do it right, so it's all right for us if yeah. we don't do it right. <laughs> you know, it kind of... Exactly, yeah. you know, and I think um, I'm delighted to see Joshua back on top because, don't get me wrong, look, massive credit to Ruiz. He's um, so talented, so skillful, such fast hands for a heavy guy. And I think that he needs to look at his conditioning because he is so talented mm. he needs to drop those few pounds that he is on him and he needs to get down like you can imagine that man he could be like a mini Tyson like if he shredded down and like his style and everything and he obviously has the power he has the hand speed he has it all I would just love to see him get into better condition yeah. be a better look for the sport and everything like that but as he says look massive credit to Anthony Joshua he did what he had to do to win that fight. Um, wasn't a fight that I want to go back and watch again. But that's his boxing. Anthony Joshua now has his, all his belts back. He's in prime position. He can move on now from this fight and push in to even more greatness than what he's achieved already. He's done exactly what he had to do. Wasn't exciting. Nothing like that. But he still looked very vulnerable. Mm. And I don't know was his vulnerability from doubts that he had from being knocked out before by Ruiz, the pressure, everything like that that was on him in this fight. But it just looked like at any stage 
Ruiz could have been dangerous. Like there was never a stage in the fight where I thought, ah, this is this is over. Forget. It. There was always that. He just looked uncertain. He looked unsure. He looked vulnerable. And as he says, that could be down to a number of things. Obviously, from the last fight and all the pressure that was on him, or is he really vulnerable? And like you says. Coming back from that performance there now, Fury to outbox him, yes, and Wilder could put him to sleep. Mm. You know, and it's such a ruthless game, like, do you know what I mean? He goes there and, and if it's in a great performance and, and wins and beats the man that knocked him out in the fight before, but people are still so critical of him, which I think is a good thing because it shows the talent that he does have and it shows, if people weren't critical, like, no one was critical of Ruiz in the first fight. Everyone was like, oh, well done, Ruiz, because he overexceeded himself. Whereas Anthony Joshua, we know what he is. We see his physique. We know what he can be. We know how good he can be. And that is why I think people are so hard on him and critiquing things because of the potential that he could really have. And I think that there's some massive fights out there that need to be made in the heavyweight division. Like, And the more time that's going on, yes, I understand you have to build up a fight, you have to get the excitement, but the excitement's there. It's there already. Fury's running about doing wrestling and MMA and everything like this. Wilder's leaving men sleeping. Anthony Joshua's getting beat by a wee lad that people were like, oh, this'll never happen. Like, Like, the heavyweight division is just on fire right now and it can it can explode it can really explode if these fights get made and I really do hope the likes of Anthony Joshua fights Wilder fights Fury Fury fights Joshua I hope that they all get to fight each other because that's what fight fans need and that's what fight fans want and the fighters deserve it themselves because whenever they come to the end of their career they'll be like Jeez, I wish I got a slap at Fury, or I wish I got. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna look back and say, "I wish that had happened." So, I hope these big fights get made. I really do. And at the minute, who's the top dog? Wilder's popping out in my head. Fury's unbelievable. His skill, everything like that. There, his the way that he just goes about himself is unbelievable. But. Um, I think Wilder with that one punch knockout, like he's just so exciting, and I think that you can never, you can never rule him out, like. Mm. And you mentioned regrets and people saying they wish I had done this and wish I'd done that. Like you're talking about Andy Ruiz, who's the chief, like, like example of that. Because did you have any experience with him in Manny Robles' gym? Did you ever see him? No, because he came to Manny after I had left. So um, I think I seen him once or twice in the gym. He came in for a bit of spar, and he was with another coach at the time. But at that time, there was there was nothing about him. Like, do you know what I mean? Even he, he went and got beat by Joseph Parker on a split decision, and there was still nothing about him. Like, it, it was because of the way that he looked and everything like that. He just didn't have that attraction towards himself. Um, but now he's a massive name. He let a massive opportunity slip. Yeah. He really, really did, but it all depends on Andy Ruiz's mindset. Well, top rank knew what they had on their hands, like a good commodity, as you said, plus Parker very close. If not, if anything, he might nick that fight. Yeah. And they were even they were like, "Listen, we, you're just you're not disciplined enough." And um, that was borne out this time. 
a lot was made that he had a short camp for the Joshua first fight, but in that, that was a blessing because he'd fought and was straight back yep. in the camp, didn't have time to balloon up, and instead this time he went full Rocky too. Like mm -hmm. He took it all for granted, and um, I don't know. It's just, he's the... Was it all for granted or just the extra attention on him, all the different media obligations he had to carry out? Because I, I, I heard him talking afterwards saying that because he was away a lot, he'd have to do his own training. So obviously... There's a huge difference between him doing his own training and training with his, his coaches mm. because if they're there, they're going to push him where he could be that guy that says, right, I'm going to do 45 minutes on the treadmill here, half an hour in, and you're thinking, ah, that's, that's good enough for me, like, you know, I'm sweating here. But, so. but that's where he needs, like, he needs his team around him. Yeah, and time. he needs somebody saying, look, where are you going? You're fighting Anthony Josh in your rematch to hold on to your belts. You need to be at the gym. You need to be here at this time running, and that 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 could be a mixture of the whole team together. But at the end of the day, the only man accountable is Andrew Ruiz because he will make the decision at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And he let it slip. He let it slip, and he, and he did say like he says I was I was training myself and things like that. But that's his decision. Do you know, it's his decision whether to go to the gym by himself when he's away from his camp or to stay at home, go to the camp that he was in where he won the title in the first place and work hard. He's going to look at things and he's going to regret them. Um, can he come back from this? What I was saying there a wee minute ago, actually, it all depends on his mindset. Like... He didn't grow up with anything. He didn't grow up with a lot of money or anything like that. He has more than he needs now. So what's his drive now? Is he just going to sit back and be like, well, I've got the best I could out of boxing. I'm happy enough with this. It's equivalent of him winning the lotto. But on Saturday, he could have won the Euro Millions. Mm. So he has like this great jackpot, but he could have gotten... He's already a household name, but if he had won on Saturday, if he had beaten Joshua twice, imagine he had knocked Joshua out in consecutive fights, yeah. then there was no doubt about it. Now, the narrative to come out of it is Joshua was off in the first fight, and Andrew Ruiz, some people are going to put him into that. Is he, is he going to be in that category of worst heavyweight champions? Yeah, Certainly not ability, but... The way he approached the fight, mm. said like to come in when he saw the the results of the way in, you had a fair idea that he wasn't winning on Saturday. But I think there's so many factors you could read into this. He'd probably speak more about it as the years go by. But there's complacency, I think, where he thought it doesn't matter. I'm going to close the gap on this guy at some stage. As Jason said, he's vulnerable. Joshua did fine in the opening stages of the first fight. I'm going to get him at some stage. Lights out. And then there's also self-sabotage where um, I don't feel I should be here. You know, I'm going to make the most of this while I can, go to all these parties, do Jimmy Kimmel Live, all this kind of stuff. And to come in £15, which is actually the exact same amount of weight that Buster Douglas put on after he beat Mike Tyson, <laughs> fought Evander Holyfield, and he got cleaned out. So it's ironic. And this is the heaviest uh, weigh-in by a champion since Valuev. And, and Valuev he's, was just a, he's a monster. Yeah, like, yeah. So there's no comparison there. It's just... As Phil said, when I saw the ways on Friday, I was like, it copper fastened in my head that there was only one winner in this fight. And for Joshua, we spoke about you, Jason, but for him, he was fighting himself big time. Like the pressure, 
he said himself he would have fought on even if he lost this one, but I'm not sure. I think that would have been such a damaging psychological blow. And you have to give Anthony Joshua the credit as well. Like, that man didn't grow up with much either, and he has everything that he needs and wants and more on top of it. And he's still getting in there, doing what he has to do and performing and putting in a performance because that performance that he put in needed a lot of discipline. He needed to be mentally very strong, mentally very focused and mentally very disciplined because you've seen it a few times, which I liked in Joshua, people saying he was hitting and then holding. Mm. That's what people were crying out from doing the first fight because he wasn't doing it. And he was getting caught inside, wasn't holding on, wasn't tying Ruiz up, and that's where he was getting clipped. And I think, like, you have to credit Joshua and what he's done. He's went back, he's reassessed everything. And, and a lovely thing that I heard him saying as well was he got caught up in the whole science of boxing. He got caught up in, am I wearing the right runners? Right, these runners need this type of sock. What's my heart rate today? Um... And he, you know, he got caught up, and I even seen too. I was watching for the last fight. He had three houses for his training camp in America. He had a certain type of mattress, a certain type of air conditioning that kept the room temperature the same as it would be back in England. Like that's crazy stuff. Like that is. That's wasting energy on stuff that you don't need to be doing. You need to be concentrating on boxing first and foremost and let everything else fall into place. And it was great to see Anthony Joshua realise that and go back into not old school boxing but to where he got to the top in the first place. And then, like, what we were talking about Ruiz as well, like, he still went the distance with Anthony Joshua. After a video I seen, don't know how true it is, but he was lying up eating pizza the night before the weigh-in. Like, and, like, he still got in there with one of the best heavyweight champions in the world. And, all right, it was a shutout. He, he didn't get close at all. But even in the first fight, like, to knock Anthony Joshua out, to be in there in the second fight, to go the distance, to... Still, for me, think that it was a capable fight for him to won at any stage. He needs to go away and look at that and say, well, this is how close I am. Mm. I'm not near doing it right. Imagine how close I could be if I did knuckle down, if I did do things right, if I did dedicate myself 100%. It depends on the mindset. It depends on what he wants out of boxing. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And you look at the mindsets you mentioned, like relative to the, where they come from, very similar backgrounds for Ruiz and Joshua. One man took the loss and look how he reacted. Yeah. And one man won and look how he reacted. So they're just two very different people. Um, just one last point. It's vindication for Rob McCracken. Like, I know a lot of people gave him stick after the first fight. And if he, had, if he could have choreographed this fight in his own mind, how it was going to play out, this would have been it. Like Joshua, as you said, a, li a few little bits here and there where you were like, oh... He didn't tie up there quite well enough, or he almost got caught. But like he went back to basics, and it was a 
it was as conclusive a win you're going to see at that level, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think as well, when you think back to the fight in New York, it was his US debut, and it's something that I remember we talked about with Andy and when Tyson Fury was going over to America, and Tyson Fury referenced something that Andy had said to him, like, you know, they like knockouts over there. Mm. He probably went in, and there's no doubt he went in. Because Brazil, Wilder just done his Brazil. Exactly. Yeah. And he just thought, right, i got to go and put this guy away and show the US audience who I am. And it was all going according to plan. So he just thought he was going to finish it and then he obviously got caught out. So he just went to Saudi Arabia and just decided it's the equivalent of, you know, one of those Jose Mourinho, park the bus, we're not going to concede here mm. and I don't care how we win, but we're going to do it. And, and that's what he did. I'm sorry for bringing the football analogy. Because <laughs> it was like a behind closed doors friendly as well because in America, he said in the second round, he heard people booing in Madison Square Garden. He thought, I'm going to have to go out in the third round. And rightly enough, he went in, floored Ruiz. In Saudi Arabia, he knew he, there was no pressure from the people <laughs> in the arena. Like They weren't quite sure what they were looking at anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't matter if, it, like as it transpired, it was perfect. And... Just in terms of future plans, we could talk about this all day, but his his 2020 looks pretty set. He's got mandatories coming out of his ears now, so he's got a Pulev, which seems straightforward. Yeah. But then Usyk's going to be a real banana skin because he's like at the gate before the big, big fights with Wilder and Fury, and you couldn't think of a worse possible banana skin than, than him. Do you actually think Joshua will fight Fury or Wilder? I don't. Well, I don't think it'll happen. And obviously, the two lads are going to fight again, but... I think they will, but it mightn't be... That's why I was... Prime. If he had lost last weekend, he would have almost been forced to fight one of them sooner because yeah. you'd be thinking, like, he needs to fight for titles he against him. Rekindle himself Where's again, he going? Yeah. Like he, Whereas now he's got mandatories like Pulev. I mean, will he get... Dillian White, even now, if Dillian White gets another crack at Joshua, like, is that as... Like, Joshua survived with Scare in the second round the first time they met. Yeah. Now... I, I, I'd like to see that fight. Love, I think it'd be, it'd be a great fight. But even then, I'd be thinking, from just the few moments where his chin was left out, that Dillian White could land. Now, Dillian mm. White can also get hit. He wouldn't be. So that that would be a good fight. But it's the fight that really excites me because I just think sold out Wembley. It's Fury and Joshua. It'd be unbelievable. Could you imagine? It'd just it'd be everywhere. I think Wilder Fury is similar, or Wilder of Joshua, because yeah. it could end at any moment. Joshua, after last week, is probably going to go unnoticed, but he can really punch as well. And Ruiz just has an unbelievable chin. Yeah, yeah. Like, even when he got knocked down in New York, he, his eyes were Just perfect. shook it off. He was yeah. like... That woke him up. Yeah. He got him again shortly after that knockdown as well, Joshua, yeah. and he just took it, so. So I yeah, think that, that would be a firefight. The the build-up to Fury, Joshua would be hilarious. Yeah. The Wilder Fury is going to be exciting. Everyone's looking forward to that. So that looks like February 22nd. So there's lots of heavyweight fights. And for the first time in a long time, there's a good crop below the champions. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting fights people want to see. Dillian White's chief among them. And we should mention him. You know, it's been a tough few months for him. Like, I've never seen someone so conclusively cleared of a drugs <laughs> offence ever. Like, UCAD basically said... I don't know how they got it so badly wrong, yeah. but in fairness, it wasn't them who initially put out this report. It was a journalist, Thomas Hauser, so they probably didn't. They probably wanted to do all these checks behind closed doors. As it turned out, it was very much in the public eye. Dillian White, somewhat redeemed, although he wasn't at his best at the weekend, I think he can expect big things in 2022. Yeah, I think he's just waiting for that title shot, isn't he? He just seems to have been talked about, yeah, 
you know, you're 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 going to get that title shot, and it's not happening. So I I think when it does happen, you'll probably see the best version of him because that's what he's he's aiming for. And he sometimes takes these fights on that are dangerous. You think, you know, it's like a game of snakes and ladders. He's gone up all the ladders, but one defeat to someone that he's meant to beat, and then he just slides back down. And well, Oscar Rivas, that was a that prim- was, prime was, example of yeah. it, and that that should have been the crowning moment of his career, and yet it was that fight which was shredded in all this uh, mystery. So it's a shame he didn't quite get the due credit he deserved for that one, but hopefully he can get things back on track. Um, back to the Irish boxing side of things, and it was a big night for, for Dennis Hogan as well. And like we know how tough an ask Jamal Charlo is, and it was borne out. Dennis Hogan, those extra six pounds, it was showcased a little bit, and there's no, no harm in being outclassed by someone as talented as, as Charlo. Yeah, like Charlo's one of the, the top middleweights as well that... People are kind of avoiding, like, because WBC middleweight world champion, and like he hasn't fought any massive names at middleweight. I know he's only recently moved up as well, but you know, like, there hasn't really been any real talks about a Canelo, a Golovkin, and anything like that. There, seen Dervichenko at the fights for yeah. um, Hogan fight, so that'll be an interesting fight. Be a very tricky and dangerous one for Charlo, I think. But um, yeah, like Dennis Hogan went in there, he gave it his all. I think Dennis Hogan made it very tricky and awkward. His his style is kind of very unpredictable, and it took Charlo a bit of time to figure it out. But Charlo's power just shone on the night, and he figured he figured Dennis out. And I think Dennis felt his power early on which made him not as effective anymore because he was a little bit more hesitant and coming forward, he was a little bit more hesitant on his attacks. And that's what proved evident then, because like, Charlo with that left hook, like it was it was, on, it was on the money, you know what I mean? And he's gonna be he's gonna be a big force, but he's very beatable also. I think that I think that the likes of a Canelo and a Demetrius Andrade would be looking at Charlo as a big name and a belt that is very beatable, mm. you know. So it, it's there's some great fights out there as well for that there, and you know it's an exciting time. And for Dennis Hogan, where does he go now after this? Does he go back down a weight? Probably, yeah. you know what I mean. Does he want to come to Ireland and put on maybe fights over here and and get the fire lit again in Ireland? Be amazing. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's exciting times like in boxing, it really is, and especially on the Irish front. Mm. And from Charlo's point of view, you mentioned he's a tough guy to match because he's not a huge name yet, hasn't built his reputation quite to that point, which is strange because he's got his brother there as well. Yeah, it should yeah. be a very marketable story. But, yeah, it's tough. Like, Eubank was on the undercard, had a win in inverted commas. I, was, I couldn't wait for that fight. Like, I stayed up and I was thinking, like... But that could be the next fight, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, like, I the Charlo fight we talked about, look, Dennis would never lack belief, but it wasn't actually till you saw them in the ring and you thought, oh, jeez, like, there's the, the difference, yeah. And so it was the Karabov-Eubank Jr. fight I was really looking forward to, and the, the coverage we got on Premier Sports over here, they had this sit-down with the two Eubanks, and, you know, you know, like... How eloquent he is when he's, he speaks, he's articulate, and here he is making his US debut. And Karabov caught him with some nice left hands in the first round, and I thought, this is going to be brilliant. And then 
Like that's when you're just, you're always angry when you're going to bed. You're just thinking, I stayed up thinking this was going to be the fight. <laughs> so we, we didn't really learn anything. Yeah. But um, I think Eubank is just as disappointed as yeah, anyone. Yeah, absolutely. That. It's happened to him before. It happened when he fought JJ McDonough. Same thing, like the, the injury. And, you know, he, you, you go through the camp and then. You only get one crack at your US debut, and yeah. that's kind of been an underwhelming worse, thing. though. Like it, at least it didn't end in, in defeat. But well, that's that's what I was going to say. I was like, Eubank could be very fortunate that it did end mm -hmm. in the second round due to injury because Karlov's a. He probably lost the first round, you it, is no, it, it, yeah, Definitely it, gave Karlov the first round. Top class operator, like, do you know what I mean? And uh, it could have very much so ended up a lot more disappointing. US debut than it really did for him so well look with moments like that you have to take it as it comes and be like right what's next but for Karabov I feel sorry for mm. do you know like where does he go from here now like what happens with him will there be a possible rematch not by the sounds of it with Eubank like Eubank's like I got the one I'm pushing on now and especially if he looks back to the first round, he'll be like, I don't want nothing to do with that fight again. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where they both of them pan out after this now. Yeah, like it would seem likely that they're trying to match Eubank with Charlo. Oh, yeah. and there was some talk of Andrade and Charlo, which would be a crossover fight, but in an event where neither one has an opponent, it might make a bit of sense to do that sort of crossroads thing. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. For Karabov, it is unfortunate because people will forget he's one of the most yeah, decorated yeah, amateurs yeah. of all time. Yeah. Really. You compare him to like Lomachenko, who's just gone on street leaps and bounds in the pro game, and yep. Karabov similarly was from great stock, just hasn't really panned out for him. Just the fire didn't light it's for him. We can blame Andy Lee for <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> so we'll hopefully see Dennis Hogan back in action. I think he's making sounds that it will be back at 154, and it's probably his best weight this weekend. Michael Conlon, and it's funny we're doing this sporting moment of the decade, Jason. So. One of the most memorable ones was Michael Conlon <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. at the Olympics. And it's ironic that it's coming back around on the week that Russia have been kicked out of the next Olympics. <laughs> so um, we're finally going to get to see this fight, touch wood, yeah. after it's been cancelled twice. But here we go. Um, it should be straightforward for Conlon against Nikin. Yeah, like you look at it and the best way that we can look at it is, is that both of them have been professional so far. Like Nicodine has only three professional fights hasn't impressed in those three professional fights I think his last fight was a majority decision um, so Conlon's going in here with the confidence behind him with uh, the run of form everything like that there and then obviously with uh, the redemption that, he, that he's looking for and uh, it's dependent on nicotine what way that he comes in to this fight now is he going to come in and try and prove that I did win that fight you know mm. what's all the fuss about I'm going to prove to you now that I did beat him and I'm going to beat him again and for the fight fans that's what we want to see like we want to see him coming in there with that bit between his teeth and saying I'm going to hold you to my victory now and I'm going to beat you again but as it says whenever you break it down and you look at it I think that Conlon's going to, uh, I think he's going to get in there and he's going to perform. He's going to get the victory and he's going to push on after this fight. Back in New York again, Phil, it's a home from home. For yeah, him. he wants to finish it as well. And I was actually looking back at the fight, the, the Rio fight, because I remember I was working that day and 
would have been at my desk and somebody came over at the, the TV after the first round before the score had gone up and they said, how's Connell doing? It's like, ah, schooled him in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then you, you see that he's lost, but all three judges have given it against him. But they also fought in the amateurs in 2013. Yeah. So that was another quarterfinal win for Nikitin. It, it was a closer fight, but I was watching that back as well. And after the fight, Conlon has the, the arm raised. And even the commentary, it wasn't Irish commentary, so it wasn't biased commentary. Or not, not that it's biased commentary, <laughs> but sometimes you can get a little yeah. bit yeah. the old green goggles on. But they said, you know, unless Nikitin does something drastic in this last round, it looks like Conlon's going through to the semi-final. He lost that one as well. So the only thing is there's no way if it goes to the judges' cards this weekend that Conlon's going to get robbed. <laughs> but I, I think he'll like to finish it beforehand. Yeah. And but, a, lot, a lot's been made, Jason, of, of Conlon's uh, switch to the pros and we mentioned uh, Karabov there. And there have been a few dissenting voices saying maybe he doesn't have the power to uh, hold his own in the top level of the pro game. Like you had first-hand experience of him. What kind of talent are we talking about with, with Michael Conlon? Yeah, like Michael was... He kind of blew onto the scene big time. I remember it was um, it was at a GB tournament in Finland, and I think I got the best boxer. Michael got the best technical boxer, and it was his first real senior international. And ever since then, he's just flourished. He's kept getting better and better and better every single year. And Michael is look. His resume says it. You know, he's a, he's a top-class talent. And it's just, this is what I keep saying to people, is that boxing's called boxing. But when you put amateur and professional in front of either of that word, it changes the whole landscape of it. Like, they're two completely different sports. You watch how many fights, and if you just judge them for the first three rounds... Mm. see then the eventual one or at the end of the fight like there's going to be so many ones that are wrong that the guy that actually ends up getting beat has won the first three rounds so it's a completely different sport and it takes time to it takes time to evolve into that sport it takes time to adapt to that sport especially whenever amateur boxers were used boxing in the computer scoring because it was real tip tap it was real, like it was like fencing. You were in, you were out, you were in, you were out. Whereas professional boxing is holding your holding your ground, hitting your opponent with shots that's going to hurt him, that's going to make him think twice about coming in again the next time. And it's a completely different strategy. And when me and Michael were amateurs, like we were, f- I had thirty three fights in one year, like. <laughs> To, to just over one year, do you know, like that, and that's constant repetition, repetition. Going back to what I was saying, the routine and the habits that you're in, it takes a while to get out of those habits. When you've been in a certain habit for years, it takes you time to break out of that habit first off, adjust to the new one, and then get the new one right. So it's like a three stage phase, so it is. And Michael's been doing great so far, do you know what I mean? He's been in there and he's he's been getting the victories and I think people just put all this pressure on an, on an amateur fighter that has come from the amateur's world champion, Olympic medalist. They just think that they're going to transfer and become world champion right away. It was like, for me, 
people were like, when are you going to win the world title? Like, when's Quigley getting the world title? It wasn't, geez, hopefully Quigley can go on and become world champion. It was, it was, it was a matter of when, like. And I think that's the same thing that people are putting on uh, Michael, is like, when's he going to be world champion? I think people just have to understand that there's a process of getting there. Michael's on that process. People are looking at it saying, oh, he, he mightn't be the pro that everyone thought he might be. But it takes time. And Michael's on the right path. He's on the right course. He's doing everything correct. Now he's getting the right victories, getting the right opponents. And it's building up nicely for him. And it's a matter now if he can just push on to that next level, into that world elite level as a professional. Mm. And he's a good showcase this weekend, heading up that card as someone who's won plenty of world titles already, Terence Crawford, who, but hasn't quite got the big fights that he probably merits himself. He's fighting Kavaleskis, who's a decent fighter, but again, you'd expect Crawford to look good uh, and win conclusively this weekend. He's got a bit of power, Kavaleskis, and just looking into... Like, he drew at Ray Robinson, yeah. um, who obviously fought... Josh Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Kelly, yeah. But Kavalowskis fought Roy Sheehan in the, the amateurs a few, what was it, eight years ago? 2011. 2011, yeah. he beat him. And he's he's got, you know, he's got decent power, but he's probably just not going to be able to get those clean shots away in Crawford. Yeah. See, what happens is you just go back to situation Crawford wins and then it's, you know, who are you fighting next, mm. you know? We know who we want you to fight, Errol Spence, and then Errol Spence wins. When are you fighting Crawford? So, that that's like, if we're doing up our twenty twenty wish list, that's obviously going to be very high up on it, whether whether it happens or not. And but the fight I'm looking forward to is the Comey and Lopez. That's going to be brilliant. Mm. I don't think it'll go the distance somehow. It's a big step up for for Lopez. I know yeah. every time we throw his name at Andy Lee, Andy's not too convinced with him yet. But this will be the acid test if he can. Comley's a good fighter. If Lopez can win this, it'll prove a lot. Comley's a great fighter. Never been stopped. Two defeats have been split decisions. Do you know? So he hasn't been convincingly beat yet in his career. It's it's the step now for Lopez to say he is what everyone's saying that he is. He says what he says. He is. Yeah, yeah, or he isn't. Yeah. You know, so. This is the this is the perfect stage for him as well. This is the perfect time for him. Um, this is the perfect opponent for him in terms of getting to that next level. If he can go in and do a job now on Comey, then he is going to be a big problem. Like he's going to confidence wise, he already has a lot of confidence, but this will really instill a certain confidence in him that will push him on to great things. And as it says, look, it's it's all going to depend on this fight. If he can get in there and perform well, then um, he can go on to great things, I think. Mm. And it's a really good card, really looking forward to it. Um, just to wrap up a few little bits of housekeeping, um, we've got Luke Keeler, who I think you've been sparring recently, have you, Jason? Yeah, I did, uh, for my last fight, I did, I sparred him once for my last fight there. Um, so he's got a he's got a world title fight looks like with Demetrius Andrade in Miami Super Bowl weekend which would be pr- pretty cool but I think um, Miami's different as well yeah mm. and uh, I think Jojo Diaz and Tevin Farmer would be on that card yeah. as well so that's a that's a really nice card and Luke Keeler certainly worked for this opportunity and it's a it's a great showcase and Andrade needs an opponent so I'm looking forward to seeing that hopefully that yeah can... just every time we watch Andrade you can see the potential there but he just hasn't really been tested yet so. 
hopefully if that the fight happens we get to see the best of, of both boxers mm. um, because Lucas just keeps improving. Yeah, and uh, Stephen Ward's in action this week in the Golden Contract, so that's uh, it's a good concept. It's really worked well on Sky so far, so people should check that out. Uh, one other bit of Irish boxing news, Phil, you were telling me this morning. Yeah. Kind of segued this is, into... This kind of goes, goes back to what you were saying about the difference in amateur and professional. It looks like Delphine Pursun is trying to reclassify. She wants to fight at the Olympics next year, which obviously puts the Taylor rematch on the back burner. But then you think, well, she could end up fighting Kelly Harrington. Uh, whether that happens at the at the Worlds or at the Olympics. But, yeah, interesting that that's the, the route that she's going to take. It's mad, like, um, it has to be a personal goal. Do you know what I mean? It has yeah. to be something that has been personally something that she's wanted to do because, like, she could have the biggest fight of her career fighting yeah. Katie Taylor again. Like, it's going to be bigger than the first one. And for her to opt out and to go back to amateur now, it's um, it's it's a, it's a massive it's a massive move that she's doing. Um, the only way that I can put it down to is it has to be a personal goal because, you know what I mean? Like the fight that I'm sure Katie wants, she wants is the rematch, and um, doesn't look like that's going to happen now. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's pretty much that's all the. The order of business for today, um, very busy Christmas schedule, but we had to get make room for Jason Quigley, so thanks a million for coming in. Thanks for having um, me. So we're looking in February for your next fight. Are you going to go full Andy Ruiz now over Christmas and just uh, um, horse the dinner into you? Oh, horse the dinner into me, I know I ain't a good hour dessert on Christmas Day, but no, I keep, I keep relevant, relatively um, relatively good over the Christmas anyway, so I do. And uh, but once you're visiting all the family and cups of tea and biscuits and I'd have tea without a biscuit. Oh jeez, that's a sin up and done all. <laughs> so uh, not looking forward to Christmas. I'd say I'll put on a few pounds, but nothing, uh, nothing Andy Ruiz style. That's good. Well, we we'll look forward to seeing you back in uh, in February. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. As always, we'll have a special edition next week. It's a review of the decade in boxing. So anyone with any suggestions of what you'd like to hear us talk about, just uh, get in touch. And as I said, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. My simple slant, this broken chant, my human fate, my revelate. Are you so far from me this day that you can't say my
Dnes se snímat through Dnes se snímat Come on. 